The Vape Passion Show, episode 44. Hey, welcome back to The Vape Passion Show. This is episode 44. I'm recording this on Saturday, November 26th. In this episode, we're going to talk about what I scored on Black Friday, Kassaw's webinar on anticipated legislative threats, big vape companies scaring shops into removing e-juice from smaller manufacturers, Grant's Vanilla Custard is back, how switching to vaping improves high blood pressure and asthma, Vapor Beast bought out by a tobacco company, Enjoy is in the process of being purchased, should you leave batteries in a device when it's not in use, and why you should be aware of e-juice leaking into your device. All right, so let me first start out by saying that if you're planning on buying any vape products anytime soon and you want to support this show, consider going to vapepassion.com slash vendors and buy from one of those links. I have a little over 50 vendors listed currently, so go check it out and see if one of your favorite vendors is listed. Uh, I'll get a small commission, but it doesn't cost you anything extra. And before we get started, I just want to thank both Nikki and Dennis for becoming my newest supporters on Patreon. Uh, I really appreciate both of you for your help. Uh, it really means a lot to me, and it also makes me feel really good knowing that the information I put out is actually interesting and useful enough to you. Okay, so let's get this show started with a beer. So I have Stone IPA. This is from Stone Brewing Company. And I've already got it poured here. So I'm ready to drink it. And with it, I'm going to pair Milk Plus from Bonsai Vape Company. Uh, this is one of my favorite e-juices. It's really, really good. And what I'm vaping on is the iStick 100 Watt TC with the Velocity Mini on top. So I've already got that, that e-juice in there. So let's go ahead and give that a shot. So let's do the beer first. Mm, that's a, a good traditional IPA. Yeah, it's pretty good. Uh, I wouldn't say that they uh, they really go perfect together, but they're both good. So uh, that's a good pairing. Good enough for me. All right, let's talk the Thanksgiving holiday. So I hope you all had a good one first. Uh, mine was great. I, I can't complain about a four-day weekend. And family is one of the most important things to me. So I really always appreciate any chance I get to be with my family. So yeah, it was it was pretty good. The only drawback of the holiday was that I was really stressed out with putting together the Black Friday and Cyber Monday deals page on my website. I kept that page updated constantly as deals came in throughout the week and it was a lot of work. Uh, I hope some of you got some use out of it. Uh, I actually did myself so I guess if nobody else used it, it at least helped me. So now that Thanksgiving, Black Friday, and Cyber Monday has come and gone, did you guys get anything cool? I gave myself a small budget of $100 and I picked up a few things that I've been wanting to get for a while. So first I got the IPV D3S 80 watt mod and that's that hasn't actually been on my list but it was a doorbuster deal with Vapor DNA. They had it on sale for only $15 and I just couldn't resist, I bought it. So I don't really know much about it, but it seems to have decent reviews and I've been wanting a single battery regulated device that goes above 60 watts. This one goes to 80, so uh, this should be good for uh, taking around with me you know, to work and stuff. And then from VaporBeast.com, I bought the Kanger Dripbox 160 kit and the Kanger Aerotank Plus. So the, the Dripbox is actually something I've, I've really been wanting for a while. I've really been wanting to get into squonking, so I've, I've wanted a starter level squonking device and that's why I picked up that one. I've known I was to buy it for a while I just wanted to wait for Black Friday deals to find the best price and I bought the Aerotank Plus just because I needed to add a few more dollars to my cart to get free shipping it was only $12 and it's a mouth-to-lung tank and I was interested in it so I went for it uh, I hope it's good I haven't really seen any reviews on it which is interesting I don't know why there's not many reviews for that yet and then I got some flavor concentrates from eSigExpress.com so one of the concentrates I got is to make a barbecue flavored e-juice that I've been wanting to make I know it sounds weird, but 
that's why I'm so interested in it. I just want to see if it tastes like barbecue sauce. And then I also bought some flavorings to make the famous Addie's yogurt recipe. Uh, so I really can't wait to try that one. And then I got some dripper caps from Wizard Labs. So these are like the squeeze dropper caps that you find on e-juice bottles. Uh, if you've ordered from Wizard Labs, you know that their smallest sizes of flavor concentrates comes in uh, these little glass vials. Uh, they have large mouth openings. So the only way to get e-juice out of these vials is to either pour it out or use a syringe. Obviously you don't want to pour it out because it's going to make a mess and you can't get accurate measurements. So the only option really is to use a syringe. Well I hate cleaning syringes so I never use those flavorings. Uh, but I recently found that Wizard Lab sells these uh, little dropper caps that fit perfectly on those vials. So you can get packs of five for only $2. So I went ahead and ordered about 20 of them for about $10. And then lastly, I picked up the MyJet. So the reason I bought this is because I really want to collect all of the pod-based systems on the market. Uh, I know that pod-based pod vaporizers, they, they cater more towards newer vapors, but I always hear a lot of experienced vapors also saying how much they like them. Uh, these types of systems, they're designed for high nicotine e-juice and to deliver nicotine quickly and I really like that idea. I also think it would be cool to try these out so that I can review them and give recommendations for newer vapors. Eventually I also want to pick up uh, uh, the other big pod based systems, uh, the Juul, the Myvon Earl, the Sync, and the iCare. I, the iCare isn't really a, a pod based system but it's similar in style so I'm kind of throwing it in there. At the top of my list is the Juul. I really want one of those but they weren't having a Black Friday sale, so I'll just pick that up when I have more money to spend, probably in January. As I was looking through Black Friday deals for all of these pod-based systems, something that I've learned about them is that they're, they're kind of hard to find, which is interesting. Uh, like, almost nobody sells the Jewel. I searched everywhere, and then I decided to check the store locator on the Jewel website, and I see that they're mostly selling them in cigarette shops. I guess, it, I guess it makes sense since they are catered to smokers looking to quit, uh, looking to try vaping for the first time. But yeah, it kind of sucks that you can't find them on any big vape websites. Now the MyJet, that one is easier to find. Uh, it's not everywhere, but you can find it. But the MyVon Earl and the Sync, they're nearly impossible to find. I couldn't find those anywhere. Uh, as for the eye care, that, that one's everywhere. You can find that anywhere you want. Uh, there's no trouble finding that one. But anyway, so that's uh, the stuff that I bought for uh, for the holiday sales. So altogether, my total on all of that stuff with shipping and taxes came up to $106. So I think that's pretty good. I got a lot of good stuff for a pretty good price. I was really tempted to buy some other things too. Like some of the things on my list were, were uh, things like the iJoy Combo RDTA mod and the, the Atomizer if I couldn't find the mod for a good price. I also wanted the Smoke Alien mod, which everyone seems to own these days. I wanted the Smoke Big Baby Beast, the Smoke TFV8 RDA, and I really wanted to pick up Mike's, Mike Vape's Hit That Juice line, but I didn't buy any of those things just because uh, I couldn't go over my budget and I set that budget for a reason. I don't, I don't need to be spending that money, but I'm happy with what I got. I did keep myself in check with spending, and actually it was pretty easy for me this year because I just bought an expensive new phone on Thanksgiving. so. I got the Samsung Galaxy S7. Other than vape stuff, I don't usually do any Black Friday stuff. When I was younger, I, I did it. Uh, me and my brother, we would head out on Black Friday at 3 in the morning and wait in lines to get stuff at really big discounts. Uh, but these days, I'd rather just pay full price than to have to wait four hours to get into a store, uh, run to the product that I want to get before anyone else gets it, and then wait another two hours in line to, to pay for it. it. It's just not worth it to me. So I can wait for re a regular sale later in the year for, for any of that stuff. This year, however, I needed a new phone because uh, my phone just happened to die about a week ago. So I thought I would see what I could get on Black Friday. Uh, the best mobile phone deal that 
I could find was at Target. And uh, that was either for an iPhone 7 or a Sam Samsung Galaxy S7. So after Thanksgiving dinner, I decided to, I would drive over to Target and see what it looked like. I waited until 30 minutes after they opened because I want, I didn't want to wait in any line. So I wanted the line to go through and then I would see what it looked like. I figured that if the phones were gone, uh, the phones were gone. Uh, I was fine with that. So by the time I got there, they were already out of the iPhone 7 Plus, And I didn't really want to get the smaller one. So I went ahead and got the Sam Samsung Galaxy S7. Uh, the Target Black Friday deal also included a, a VR headset, $50 in VR games, and a $250 Target gift card. So, really good deal. And I had no choice but to get a new phone anyway, so I'm really happy to get all of this free stuff with it. I've been using iPhones since uh, the iPhone 3G, so a really long time. So this is my first jump into Android, so there's a bit of a learning curve. And I miss some of the apps that, I, that aren't on Android. Or, or that I've already paid for on the iPhone. But other than that, I like it. I've actually kind of grown tired of the iPhone, and even though I was hesitant to switch, now I'm really glad I did. All right, anyway, let's get back to the vape stuff. First, I wanna talk about a webinar that Kasa is putting on. So Kasa, they're back from their Right to Vape RV tour that they did around the country, and they just sent out their first newsletter in months. Uh, in the newsletter, they announced that they'll be putting together a webinar in cooperation with the Kading Group about anticipated legislative threats. So the Kading Group is run by Cynthia Cabrera. She's the former president of the Smoke-Free Alternatives Trade Association. Uh, they're doing this webinar in advance of the 2017-2018 legislative sessions. Um, they're co-hosting this together. And this is a good one for vape business owners to attend because they plan to talk about things like anticipated legislative threats, upcoming FDA compliance deadlines. One of those is a registration deadline, which is December 31st, I believe, or December 12th. Shoot, now I don't know if I have that right. But this one requires manufacturers and importers of vapor products to be registered with the FDA. Uh, the other deadline coming up is February 8th, 2017, and that requires large-scale e-liquid manufacturers to submit ingredient listings for all of their products. Small-scale manufacturers have until August 8th, 2017. Uh, they'll also be talking about potential opportunities to modernize the predicate date and opportunities to change how vapor products are regulated. They haven't announced an exact date for that webinar yet, but if you get on their email list, they'll send you an email to let you know. You can sign up for updates at kasa.org. That's C-A-S-A-A dot org. And the next one I want to talk about is how big vape companies are scaring shops into removing e-juice created by smaller manufacturers. So VCC Live covered this topic on episode 21 of their live show. And uh, if you haven't seen the VCC Live shows, uh, they're jam-packed with advocacy talk. So if that's something you're interested in, definitely subscribe to that channel on YouTube. But uh, Jay DeLuco, uh, he was on that show and he talked about some emails going around in his circles. The emails that he saw came from an e-liquid manufacturer uh, who was not named. Uh, they're stating that all vape shops need to start doing fire sales on all e-juices that do not have FDI numbers as a result of registering with the FDA as a tobacco company. After December 31st, if you have any liquid on your shelves that have not registered with the FDA, that do not have uh, SKU numbers on the labels or UPC codes, the FDA is going to fine you. Uh, they won't find the manufacturer, they'll, they'll find the, the vape shop. That's, a, that's what the email says, I don't know if that's true or not. But the same thing, th this is the same thing that we saw with the uh, GCC regulations. Uh, when GCC hit, a lot of shops got scared and pretty much did fire sales for all their e-juices that didn't have GCC certifications. The same thing is happening now with FDA registration. GCC, in case you're wondering, is the General Certificate of Conformity, which uh, is basically a uh, child protection. According to Jay DeLuco, these emails were clearly written by lawyers and featured a lot of scary language saying things like your shop will be shut down if you have any of these e-juices on your shelves after December 31st. 
he brought up an interesting point that he's not aware of any fines that were given to vape shops who were carrying e-juices that were not GCC certified, although there were definitely reports of FDA inspections to check bottles uh, when that law went into effect. Jay was saying that what he saw in these emails, it looks obvious to him that the bigger e-juice manufacturers are sending these emails out to scare shops into removing these smaller brands so that these bigger brands can increase their market share. Um, basically a bullying tactic. In an industry where we should all be working together, it's really disappointing to hear that these bigger manufacturers are trying to stomp out these little guys. But if you are a small e-juice company, and, or if you know one, it sounds like registering with the FDA isn't really a difficult process. Although you should probably talk to a specialized lawyer or an industry organization like Safada if you have questions. Uh, and like I mentioned earlier, definitely attend that webinar that CASA and the Cating Group is putting on because they're probably going to talk about this. All right, now let's talk products. So Grant's Vanilla Custard is back. And if you don't know what they are, uh, it's a really popular e-juice that's really hard to get. From what I've heard, Grant's Vanilla Custard is the absolute best vanilla custardy juice ever made. Uh, at least that's what people say. It's also really hard to get because they don't make and sell e-juice year-round. They release batches throughout the year, and when they run out, that's it for a while until they make more. Um, personally, I've never tried Grant's Vanilla Custard before, but I've been waiting for an update from them uh, for at least six months now, maybe even longer. But finally, they sent out an email announcing that they have a batch ready and will be selling again on Friday, December 2nd. Uh, I have a feeling this is going to sell out really quick. So set a reminder and check their site often on December 2nd to try to get some. I'm going to try to get some for sure. All right, now let's talk science and research. This next topic I want to talk about is about how switching to vaping improves high blood pressure and asthma. So Professor Ricardo Pelosa, MD, PhD, of the Institute for Internal Medicine and Clinical Immunology of the University of Catania in Italy, whew, that's a long one, has been studying the effects that vaping has on people with high blood pressure and asthma. Uh, his blood pressure study lasted for 12 months and it looked at long-term changes in resting blood pressure and blood pressure control in hypertensive smokers who have quit smoking or who have substantially reduced tobacco consumption with electronic cigarettes. His asthma study lasted for 24 months and looked at patients at 6, 12, and 24 months to evaluate respiratory systems, lung function, and asthma control after switching to electronic cigarettes. So he recently did an interview with eCigaretteDirect.co.uk to talk about the findings from both of those studies. So let's talk about blood pressure first. Um, so smoking is already known to cause elevated blood pressure, which we know is caused by the nicotine. Uh, it stimulates the sympathetic nervous system. This is caused by nicotine from any source, not just combustible tobacco. But Pelosa, he believes that the toxic chemicals of cigarettes contribute to longer lasting effects on blood pressure. For example, smoking causes systemic inflammation and it makes you more susceptible to uh, blood clotting, uh, which greatly increases the risk of arterial hypertension. In patients suffering with hypertension, Pelosa has also found clear reductions in systolic and diastolic blood pressure as a result of health improvements that patients see after switching from smoking to electronic cigarettes. Pelosa also mentioned that he believes it's not just the reduction of smoking that helps with high blood pressure, but also the ritualistic act of vaping that eases the anxiety caused by early stages of quitting smoking. Uh, and something else he that he noticed is that the switch from smoking to vaping doesn't result in weight gain that most smokers see when they quit smoking. Uh, this lack of weight gain results in even more positive long-term effects of quitting smoking. So what he found with his study is that smokers with high blood pressure who switch to vaping feel less anxiety and they feel more relaxed. They also see improvements in their psychological and social lives. Uh, the participants didn't see a reduction in the antihypertensive drugs 
that they take during the one-year study, but that doesn't mean it might not uh, result in fewer medications over a longer period of time. All right, now let's talk about asthma. So in Pelosa's asthma study, he found that when asthma sufferers are dual users, uh, meaning they both vape and smoke, they tend to reduce their overall consumption of tobacco cigarettes. So even though they are still smoking, the fact that they are smoking less has a significant improvement on their respiratory sy symptoms and lung function. So his study didn't check on patients until the six-month mark, at which point they've already seen health improvements, but he believes that improvements are likely to be seen much earlier than that. But since his research wasn't designed to track improvements earlier than six months, he isn't able to definitively make that claim. Uh, his, so the, his research from this study found that smokers with asthma have better control of their respiratory sy symptoms and have fewer asthma attacks. They also have better quality of sleep. And all of this results in them being able to take fewer medications. Pelosa said that both of those studies have show that health improvements aren't dramatic, but they are improvements nonetheless. And they found that health improvements happen even with people who continue to smoke, as long as they reduce the amount of cigarettes that they consume. And many of the participants reduced their cigarette consumption to fewer than five cigarettes per day. And their study results showed that this can reverse damage to the respiratory and vascular system, even smoking up to five cigarettes per day. So it's great to see positive studies like this. And uh, Pelosa, he plans to do research on patients suffering with COPD and diabetes next. So I'm really excited to hear what comes of that. All right, moving on to the next topic. So Vapor Beast was bought out by a tobacco company. So VaporBeast.com, they're, they're a pretty big player as far as online vape product retailers go. But I, I didn't realize that they were big enough to draw interest from a large tobacco company. Uh, I, I guess they are. But anyway, Turning Point Brands, or TPB, the company behind products like Red Cap, Pipe Tobacco, Beech Nut Chewing Tobacco, and the famous line of Zigzag products, they purchased Vapor Beast for about $27 million. So TPB already has a Zigzag branded Vapor product line, which they've created through a partnership with V2.com. Uh, V2, they specialize in products that cater more towards beginners. And uh, that's pretty much what they've created for the Zigzag line. They offer a dry herb vape pen for tobacco, a traditional vape pen with an old school clearomizer tank and six flavors of high nicotine e-juice. It's expected that TPB will start distributing their zigzag line of vape products through Vapor Beast's online and wholesale distribution portals. Uh, Tim Campbell, the founder of Vapor Beast, he says that this purchase allows Vapor Beast to utilize the regulatory expertise and extensive sales force that TBP provides. And the CEO of TPB, Larry Wexler, he says that this deal will dramatically accelerate sales distribution of their products through the fast-growing, non-traditional retail channels that VaporBeast has expertise in. So I don't know if this will change what types of products that would be sold through the VaporBeast.com website, but it sounds like a win-win for both brands. And while we're on the topic of vape company buyouts, let's talk about Enjoy. So last month, Enjoy announced that they were filing for bankruptcy after uh, their King's 2.0 electronic cigarette failed to take off. Uh, in addition to the debt that they had racked up over the years, they just couldn't keep afloat any longer. So Enjoy took part in a Chapter 11 auction on November 2nd, 2016, to settle debts and to sell the company to the highest bidder. The highest bidder was a joint effort between Douglas Teitelbaum Homewood Capital LLC and CGP Soterra Holdings LLC. Uh, this joint effort is called Homewood Enjoy Acquisition LLC. Homewood Enjoy Acquisition has pledged to pay $300,000 in cash for the company. They will pay off all outstanding debts that was accrued during the bankruptcy process. They've offered a credit bid representing $29.5 million and they will assume Enjoy's current debt. The sale hasn't happened yet. The sale will be heard in a bankruptcy court in Delaware soon. Um, I looked into both 
uh, the companies, the joint effort companies. So Douglas Tietelbaum Homewood uh, is owned by Douglas Tietelbaum, and he has a history of investing in and turning around distressed companies. He's also a board member, director of several companies like Barney's New York, uh, Planet Hollywood, and even Enjoy. I can't find any information about CGP Sotera Holdings. Other than that, they've been around since 2012. And actually, Enjoy used to do business under the name of Sotera Inc., but I don't know if those two are related in any way. Anyway, it's good to see that Enjoy is in the process of being purchased, and hopefully they keep putting out uh, really good beginner-level products. Um, I'm really happy to see that they're not going under. Uh, a lot of people were thinking that they were going to try to do Chapter 11, fail, and then move into Chapter 7 and then just disappear. But So it's really good to see that they're going to stick around. Alright, so let's get into the tip section of the show. So a lot of people, especially beginners, wonder if it's safe to leave their batteries in the device while it's not in use for extended periods of time or even overnight. So I've seen this question come up a lot of times with newer vapors on a lot of forums and, and I, I do think it's an excellent question. You'll hear from a lot of people that they leave their batteries in their devices all the time. Most device manuals, they don't even talk about this. And I would assume that most manufacturers would say that it's safe. And the way devices are designed, it, it really should be. Uh, but there are some considerations that you should take into account. Uh, for example, how long will the device sit uh, not in use? First, how long will the device be sitting? If it's overnight, you should be fine. If it's a couple weeks though, you should consider leaving the batteries at about a 3.7 volt charge because lithium ion batteries, they can wear down if stored at a full charge for extended periods of time. And uh, any longer than a couple of weeks, you should probably remove them from the device and store them in a safe case, also at about a 3.7 volt charge. If they drop to around 3.4 volts, charge them back up to 3.7 and store them again. Another consideration you might want to take into account is that devices can sometimes auto fire. A lot of people prefer to remove the batteries from their device anytime they aren't around to keep an eye on the device. This is because there have been instances of devices malfunctioning and auto firing even while they're off and locked. Uh, I'm not just talking about mech mods here, I'm talking about regulated devices that operate with a computer board. Uh, this isn't common by any means, but I'm just mentioning it because it has happened. Uh, it very rare, but it has happened. If you do remove your batteries, make absolutely sure that they're in a safe case. Because if they aren't in a safe case and they roll off of, of wherever they're at and they touch loose metal, they can short and cause a fire. So definitely make sure they're in a safe place. If you don't have a safe place to store your batteries, just leave them in your device. That's probably the safest place for them. So for me personally, I take the batteries out of all my devices, except for whatever device I'm using regularly. And of course, any devices that don't have removable batteries. Um, I just feel safer knowing that none of my devices have batteries in them. Removing the batteries also allows me to keep all of my batteries in rotation, which is important because batteries lose their life whether you use them or not. So I prefer to just use them. And after bringing up the subject of auto firing, this leads me to my next topic, which is why you need to be aware of e-juice leaking into your device. So no matter what kind of device you're using, you don't want the internals getting wet. Uh, it can destroy your device and could potentially cause a fire. So the first part I want to talk about is the 510 pin. So most devices, they have a spring-loaded 510 pin, which means the internals are not completely sealed off from the outside. If you've been vaping for any amount of time, you've probably taken your atomizer off the device to find a pool of e-juice sitting where the atomizer connects uh, on and around the 510 pin. Unless the manufacturer has sealed off the 510 connected from the inside to protect against leaks, e-juice can get on the chip of the device and cause it to malfunction. This can result in the device auto-firing, not, not charging correctly, or it can simply kill the board completely. And I, I'm willing to bet that most manufacturers don't completely seal off 
below the 510 pin. The Invader Mini mod that I have, it's uh, pretty much considered waterproof, and they chose not to make a spring-loaded 510 for the simple fact that having it spring-loaded can make it uh, water get inside, and they wanted their device to be waterproof, so that's why they did that. So if you do get e-juice in, in the connector area, clean it up. Uh, you can use a paper towel and jam it in there, that's what I do. Or you can get a Q-tip if you want to be more precise. Alright, the buttons. So, the buttons are easily susceptible to e-juice leaks. If you've ever overdripped an RDA, you know that e-juice will find its way all over your device. And just like with the 510 pin, e-juice that gets through the buttons can get on the chip and cause damage. Also, e-juice is sticky, and it can cause your firing button to stick which could be very dangerous. If that ever happens to you, just unscrew the atomizer as quick as you can. And finally, the charging ports and the vent holes. Again, if you've ever overdripped your atomizer or somehow spilled e-juice on your device, you want to be very careful about the charging ports and the vent holes. Some manufacturers think ahead and place the buttons and the vent holes, uh, charging ports and all that stuff on the opposite side of the atomizer connection, but not all of them do. Uh, take the IPv4, for example, there were a lot of complaints about that one because the charging port was right beneath the atomizer. Definitely not a smart place for that. So yeah, I hope that info has helped some of you keep your devices safe. Okay, so that's all I have for this show. Uh, you'll find the show notes for this episode on vapepassion.com. Just do a search for episode 44. Uh, if you want to support the show, consider donating to my Patreon page at patreon.com slash vapepassion. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at vapepassion. I'm also on Facebook. Uh, leave me comments, whatever you want over there. If you like the show, I'd love it if you gave me a review on iTunes. You can also catch the video version of the podcast on YouTube if you want to watch it over there. You can also catch the podcast version of the show on either iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. And if you'd like to get notifications of new reviews or of this show, you can sign up to receive my weekly email on vapepassion.com. And like always, if you have any questions or comments, uh, please feel free to email me at alex at vapepassion.com. All right, I'll see you next week.